Well, look, my wife has a rule in her family. On somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Valley. Happy birthday to you. Well, whoops. Joe Biden singing happy birthday to uh, one of the surviving relatives of Martin Luther King yesterday. Now, we've all have we all done that? Uh, we for, of course no. If, usually, <laughs> when I'm at someone's birthday party, I know whose birthday party it is. Right. Uh, so things continue to go well for Joe Biden yesterday. Uh, no new documents discovered um, overnight. So. That's one of the big stories. By the way, coming up this morning, 735, our new Attorney General, William Bailey, is going to be joining us. Andrew Bailey. Andrew Bailey. William Bailey. Beetle Bailey. Beetle Bailey. Uh, Mr. Bailey, our new Attorney General, he is going to be joining us coming up 735 this morning here on Wake Up Mid Missouri 939, the Eagle 1045 News Radio. 950 KWOS. Uh, one of the other big things going to be happening this week tomorrow is the State of the State Address. Governor Mike Parson uh, delivering State of the State Address coming up tomorrow for our, yeah, four to six tomorrow. Uh, Randy Tobler hosts the Randy Tobler Show. He's going to be providing kind of an analysis and a rundown of what went down. And I think because there were some big impactful things that came out of last year's speech as every year. But what I thought was really interesting was this year uh, during the uh, prayer breakfast when he was on with uh, Stephanie and Marsh and Housworth. He he more than tipped his hand. Uh, and I'm trying to how did he word that exactly when he talked about uh, the potential for employee raises? He said that the state employees will be pleased with what they hear from his proposed budget. Um, and I followed up with him and I said, so what you're saying is and then he talked about the fact they had a lot of vacancies. I said, so you're saying state employees are going to get a pay raise. He said, Brian, we'll talk about that at the State of the State. Now, he has since announced it's going to be 8.7%. But I think there'll be even more discussion of, you know, some of the things he's trying to do tomorrow at the State of the State. And Mizzou funding, we know, will be crucial as well. And infrastructure, there's just a lot of stuff going to come out of that speech. His spokeswoman had commented it's going to be heavy on workforce development, education, and infrastructure. And I think that's a positive for a lot of folks here in mid-Missouri. I know people have been, you know, every small business owner I talk to talks about workforce. You know, every mom I talk to talks about education. Um, And of course, infrastructure right here in mid-Missouri, we spend a lot of time talking about 63 and 70, 54 and 63. Well, in the chamber, uh, Matt McCormick from the Columbia Chamber of Commerce recently talking about the 70-63 corridor, if you want to call it that. Yeah, that was it. I went to the Ready Board meeting, Brandon, last week, and he discussed this in detail. And I kind of saved the story for today because obviously it ties in with the state of the state. But he believes that I-70 will be a key theme, not just during the session, but MoDOT as well. And obviously, the Roachport Bridge is something the governor is going to talk about. But 70 and 63, MoDOT has the money, $140 million. 160,000 vehicles go through the intersection a day. The only issue is there's just not a lot of room for those crews to work with. So they're looking at what they call a flyover. Um, now, Bill Eigel has a different bill. His bill would basically eight lane, four in each direction, I-70 between Blue Springs to the west and Wentzville to the east. That's intriguing. 
He says there's money to do that. I'm not sure. I think if the governor recommends that, it, 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 we'll, we'll see. If the governor doesn't mention it, that bill may have a hard time passing. But it, it's out there. We know it's going to be discussed, and that's a huge priority for the Columbia Chamber. And it's a big deal because it really is the gateway to mid mid-missouri whether you're yes. going to jefferson city whether you're going to california whether you're going uh students going to school in kirksville uh it's it's kind of an important and those things um they do matter uh welcome into the show stephanie bell brian Houseworth, john marsh there's producer hannah my name is brandon rather something we could do for you 874-9390-874-9390 coming up attorney general uh, mr bailey is joining us at 735 you know i heard something kind of interesting and i don't want to say this to dismiss the job that anybody else has done in the past because i think we've had some fine attorney generals attorneys general uh Somebody have, yeah, and somebody uh, said within the political realm, uh, it, it's not like Campaign Central in the attorney uh, in the attorney's uh, office anymore. I get it, it's the way the games play, but he's already getting, I think, kudos from various folks. Also, in statewide news, we're going to swear in a new treasurer today. Uh, I think that's at one p.m. So very that's exciting. Vivek Malek, and they, I talked to Kelly um, on the phone last night. Kelly Jones, he's going to have Stephanie three busloads of family members and friends coming down from St. Louis. He'll be the first Indian American ever um, in a statewide position. That is a big deal, and I'm looking forward to having Andrew Bailey on the air as well. Um, Kent Hayden um, made some very serious allegations on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, which we've received phone calls from listeners even going beyond what he said. And according to Kent Hayden, you were with me on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Mm-hmm. Bailey's involved in looking into the what the hospital was doing in Fulton in Mexico that's certainly something hopefully we can get an update. He may not be able to say much, but taking allegedly taking money out of people's checks and not paying their health insurance premiums, that's very serious. 874-9390, 874-9390. Tom, welcome to the show. What can we do for you? Good morning, sir. Hey, uh, expanding on something that uh, Mr. Arps said this morning. Christopher Arps. Uh, yeah, hold on. Christopher uh, Arps was here 635 this morning. He's here every Tuesday. He's uh, He's got a website called chrisarps.com, knows Missouri politics. Uh, what? So he's talking about several things. What specifically? At one point he mentioned when they were talking about the documents that were found, he, he mentioned, you know, did Joe Biden even know what was going on? Um, the biggest difference to me between what was going on with Trump and what's going on with Biden with the documents is Joe Biden those documents were in basically his possession for six years he has stated he was surprised those documents were found where they were found so whereas like he said, like Mr. Arp said, the National Archives knew Trump had these documents and was requesting them and trying to get a hold of them. No one knew Joe had them. So there was no security on those whatsoever for six years, approximately. No one knew they were there. So when he did his little commercial with his Corvette in the driveway, and they did a shot of the inside of his garage while he was backing his Corvette into the garage, they're in there. And you've got, what, a 10, 15-person film crew shooting that around those documents, totally unsecured, that he didn't even know were there. 
Yep, I agree. And here's the other thing. I'm wondering, we might cover uh, some of this this morning, too. Matt Taibbi, who's been doing the, uh, the the Twitter files, which have been incredible, and everything that he's been releasing regarding uh, the tech industry basically silencing things that we now know were true, especially as it relates to Hunter Biden. We know in that first b- batch of documents found in uh, yeah. to be in Joe's uh, uh, think tank, uh, they were documents that had to do with Iran uh, and Ukraine. So they're all really, really good questions. And now one of the new things we've learned this morning, and no visitors logs to Biden's residences. And I don't know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the legal aspects. Do you have to have a, a visitor's log in your house? They're saying, we don't have them. There is a, and here's the other big thing. And Tom, we'll let you go. And thank you for being a part of Wake Up Mid-Missouri this morning. We appreciate that. Yeah, have a good morning, all sir. Right, have a good man. day. Uh, the other thing I find that's that's uh, interesting, the biggest difference, because the word over the past week now has been different, but it's different. The biggest difference is Joe Biden is a sitting president of the United States of America. And I think that's huge. Well, I think Chris Arps brings up a good point that the archives kind of knew that Trump had his documents. I think the, another difference is that they were in a whole bunch of different locations. Joe, you know... With Trump, it was just at Mar-a-Lago. Now Joe's got documents, you know, all over the place. I think, you know, ultimately, I think it 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 brings into question, you know, the government and protocols with how we deal with classified documents and a complete failure uh, of the government, which is, you know, not new. By the way, when it comes to Ukraine, we were talking earlier about Stephanie was covering in the Daily DC Rundown, which we do every morning, 625, uh, United States helping to train Ukrainian soldiers, and this is happening uh, in Germany right now. Uh, But that line, like, okay, uh, how much help do we give to Ukraine? None. Not our business. Or do we help because it, it, it does affect us? How much uh, do we help? And I feel we had a, a gal on from Fulton last year. and She was from Ukraine. And one of the things she said, and we just wanted to get her story, what that was like, you know, having your every day, you know, your relatives are in a country that's that's being attacked. They're at war and and obviously a very heartfelt conversation. But she talked about, you know, and she says it's kind of odd for her because we complain about the gas prices and the price of, uh, of bread and things like that. Things that have been affected by that invasion by Putin uh, on Ukraine. Uh, so how much do we help? Because this affects us. What's happening in Ukraine, it affects what you are paying for gasoline. It affects what you are paying for for wheat for things like that. So it affects us. Well, and as Republicans are about, you know, are about to hit the debt ceiling and Republicans are saying stop spending, you know, we ha- we we don't have blank checks, right? And so there are a lot of issues right here, crime, uh border, other things. And, you know, so the the question isn't, you know, does the country of Ukraine, you know, deserve help? I think that's a different question than how do we prioritize, you know, our limited resources. Um in this instance, you know, I think I I fall somewhere in the middle. Um, but but what we're doing now in Germany, a five week full battalion, all you know, is is more than just like, hey, here's some here's some weaponry. Uh, it, it's much different, and I think it's it's a it's changing the nature of our relationship with that conflict. It's not an Amazon delivery of a box of weapons. Right. It's it's honest to goodness help. Off the text, listener Ron says that this uh, this might be a health issue, a public health issue. Happy birthday to you. This is the president singing. That's a, that's a health issue. He said it's bordering on listener <laughs> abuse. 
Uh, Austin, stop believing anything the Democrats or the media or Biden says in relation to the visitors' logs. The Secret Service surely keep visitor logs. Yep, uh, agreed. Hannah agreed. really wants you to come up with the montage of the Biden song with the Trudy Bush Valentine song. <laughs> uh, hard pass. Wouldn't that be beautiful? <laughs> be rough matching the beats on that one. <laughs> Coming up just a few minutes from now, we are going to be doing What's Hot with Hannah. Hannah, what do you have for us today? Well, you know, I'm in the business of looking for marriage advice. And some marriage advice from kindergartners. Time for what's hot with Hannah. You know, we're taking bets around the office as to how long you can keep this up for. How long this will, uh, how yeah. long this can how uh, long it'll last. last that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you have for us? So, of course, I'm getting married. Don't know if I've mentioned that before. <laughs> you know, and, I go to the gym once in a while, too. Right. So, when you're getting married, everyone loves to share marriage advice it's kind of like when you're pregnant everybody gives unsolicited parenting advice right and some advice is better than others like for example brandon um i don't typically take your relationship advice how come um you don't have the best track record <laughs> so sometimes it's uh i'm a perfect two for two two marriages two divorces I don't know if I'd call that perfect, <laughs> but people who haven't been in relationships sometimes give the best advice, and uh, sometimes those people are little kids. <laughs> I love I love a kid's point of view. There was a book, uh, some uh, I think it was called Everything I Learned About Life I Learned in the Second Grade. But basically, the focus is you know kids are are they're not tarnished by you know real life experiences, and they have this right. faith that just everything is going to be all right. And then we get older and we lose some of that. So I actually love advice from kids. So a group of like eight to 10 year olds were asked relationship questions. And I kind of have a list of some of the best questions here in front of me. Let me get some pen and paper. <laughs> so the first question is, when is it okay to kiss someone? <laughs> this one kid who was eight said, when they're rich. Oh, we were talking about stranger danger yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but if they have money. money. Or a sucker that my kids. <laughs> Another eight-year-old said, the rule is if you kiss someone, then you have to marry them and you have to have kids with them because it's the right thing to do. Okay. So careful who you kiss because there might be a lot of commitment behind <laughs> that kiss. You never know. Um, then they asked, what is the right age to get married? 35. John, what would be your guess? Hmm, boy, 50. 50. <laughs> One kid said, and Brandon, this probably could have been you at this age, uh, no age is good to get married at. You've got to be a fool to get married. <laughs> wow. Some of these kids have just, they've seen some stuff in their seven <laughs> years, right? And then how can a stranger tell if two people are married? An eight-year-old said, you might have to guess based on whether they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think that there's like comedic honesty from yeah. little kids. Kids say the darndest things. Yeah. I'm reminded one of the things, you know, you're getting older. So when you're younger, uh, you know, as most young men, the first thing you when you see somebody, am I attracted physically to that person? Uh and so there's certain features that you might look at. 
as you get older, like when you're 52 or something, the first thing that I look at when I see a woman, does she have a ring on her finger? I don't care about it. I don't care what anything else looks like. That's that's the first glance. Is there a ring on the finger? One of the more wholesome answers. So the question was, how do you decide who to marry? And a 10-year-old said, nope. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Is that we've discovered an elaborate uh, bureaucracy of what you might call public-private censorship. Uh, basically, companies like Twitter had a system by which they received tens of thousands of requests for action on various accounts. That's Matt Taibbi, the Twitter files. By the way, before he was doing this, he was doing politics for Rolling Stone magazine, doing incredibly important work now as it relates to censorship, as it relates to social media. As a matter of fact, our attorney general, Andrew Bailey, is working on this. This is uh, in relation to litigation regarding Missouri versus Biden. This is a civil case that shows top officials uh, in the feds, the federal government colluded with big tech social media companies to violate your right to free speech under the First Amendment. Joining us now, Missouri's Attorney General, Andrew Bailey. Welcome into the show. Kind of give us the rundown on what it is that we're doing in relation to Missouri versus Biden. Absolutely. And first of all, good morning and thank you for having me on. You know, this is an important case. One of the, the primary objectives of my administration is to protect the Constitution and the constitutional rights of the people of this state. And that's why Missouri v. Biden is such an important case to, to do that. You know, what the evidence has demonstrated is that there was a level of both coercion and collusion between federal bureaucrats and big tech social media to silence speech, to shut down speech, to silence voices that the Biden administration disagreed with or didn't like. And what we know is that that censorship violates our constitutional rights violates the First Amendment. And it's important because traditionally in America, the remedy for, for false speech is counter speech, not government censorship. We've taken depositions of several top ranking Biden officials. We uh, intend to take more depositions in the coming days and we're gonna root this out. We're gonna keep working on this and keep finding new lines of effort to keep the pressure on because that's what the people deserve. They deserve free, fair and open debate free from government censorship. What concerns you, Mr. Bailey, the most, because you're an attorney uh, and also a citizen of the United States of America, you and I have some protections that are granted to us in the Constitution of the United States of America. One of those, first and foremost, it's number one for a reason, freedom of speech. What bothers you most, the freedom of speech that they were trying to tamp down on our freedom of speech or the fact that there was, in effect, from everything we're seeing, there was collusion. The government was working with other entities to uh, to quell our freedom of speech. Well, globally speaking, we as a nation since 1791, we've honored the, the protections codified in the Bill of Rights. And we used to elevate the rules of the game above the players and the outcome. The left seems to have abandoned that principle in favor of trying to seek specific outcomes and undermining the rules of the game. Theoretically, that's a problem. Practically speaking, it's a problem because of the, the, the specific voices that were silenced. But, but to your point, it's the coercion and the collusion. You know, Biden spent months on the campaign trail in, in 2020 talking about how 
the big tech social media companies had to get a handle on uh, preventing the spread of what he called disinformation. Other of, other people might just call it political speech. And so he started there, but then it continued once he took office. And he continually, he, members of his administration continually threatened big tech social media with a repeal of their uh, legal liability protections and other sanctions if they did not get on board with his censorship program. And then what the discovery in the case has demonstrated is that there was, in fact, a censorship program. Top-ranking officials from the Biden administration, from his staff, from the White House, emailed, called, texted with big tech social media and called for specific posts, specific videos, specific voices to be taken down in silence. Tucker Carlson was one of those. And so Joe Biden and his administration disagree with Tucker Carlson. So they asked for one of his videos to be taken off of uh, off of a social media platform. I mean, that should scare all of us left and right, because, again, it's about the rules of the game. And it's about free, fair, and open debate. And federal bureaucrats, unelected bureaucrats, should not be making censorship decisions. Whether or not to believe Tucker Carlson should be left to the rest of us, not the government. All right, our guest, Missouri Attorney General uh, Andrew Bailey, joining us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 104.5 News Radio, 950 KWOS. General, talk to us about uh, something that Eric Schmidt was very involved in. It's not as sexy as some of the things we heard about, but those were consumer protection lawsuits. And he had one that was out there with a with a solar panel provider that he was going after for business practices. Where are you at on those consumer suits? And will you continue some of the ones that the Schmidt administration started? Oh, absolutely. You know, number one priority, protect the Constitution. Number two priority is uh, enforcing the laws as written. The mission of the general, or excuse me, the mission of the attorney general's office is determined, is assigned to us by the General Assembly in statute. And the General Assembly has empowered the Missouri Attorney General's office to protect consumers from fraud and abuse and uh, deceptive business practices. And those, uh, those statutes are codified, and we're going to enforce the laws written and, and use those statutes to protect Missourians. We, you, you've seen that uh, recently. We, we were able to, uh, kind of enjoy a success on a case uh, dealing with uh, timeshares. And so that's been on our social media, on our official side. And, and I would direct uh, your listeners to, to check that out where we've saved uh, consumers thousands and thousands of dollars against uh, some of these deceptive business practices. You know, we will continue to use that, that uh, portion of our office and we'll try to expand those operations to fulfill that mission. General Bailey, we appreciate you joining us uh, last week at the governor's or, um, prayer breakfast, uh, the first week of uh, the session that Thursday. Stephanie and I interviewed John as well, um, the Ken Hayden, state representative in Fulton. And he alleged on this very program that the company that was running the Fulton and Mexico hospitals was taking money out of employees' checks was supposed to be paying their health insurance premiums was not including a gentleman who had fifty thousand dollars in unpaid hospital bills for a grandchild with spina bifida that that parent by the way a grandparent called brandon and i confirmed it he says there's many others that are facing the same situation hayden said on this program your office is investigating looking into this what can you tell us well, number one, it goes back to the consumer protection issue. And the attorney general's office has broad authority, broad power under statute to protect Missouri consumers like the ones you're talking about. And so I'm somewhat limited in what I can talk about currently because of ongoing investigation. But I will say this. We're going to stand up and fight back. And we're, going to lo- we're not going to let people get taken advantage of. You know, I, I come from a prosecutor's background. And the reason I wanted to be a criminal prosecutor 
was to seek justice for victims. We can use the consumer protection statutes to do that as well. Wow. That's very, very powerful. That's a big deal. Thank you for your information. So if I'm looking at the calendar right, does today mark two weeks in office? Uh, yeah. Yeah, This we're, we're, we're starting on our third week here, and it's been a, a real whirlwind. Uh, you know, we started out on day one within hours of being sworn in. The state had an execution to carry out. And so the attorney general's office had a role to play there. Uh, we have hosted a... Uh, a reception for our employees just to get to know them better. We've traveled to two of our regional offices. We're going to hit the other two in the coming days. We've participated in the legislative ball. We've held senior staff meetings. I mean, we are we are at full speed ahead. Uh, the transition went smoothly, but we're we're already at work and and we're doing everything we can for the, to fight for the people of Missouri. Uh, you know, within hours of being sworn in. I've seen you at numerous events. I know you have been very busy. Uh, how, but how's the transition been personally? You've got, I, I had a chance to meet your lovely wife. You've got kids. How are they handling the transition? They're, they're good. They're, yeah, they're, they're, I, think, I hope that they're proud of their father uh, and, and the work that he's doing because it's, it's all about them. I mean, the reason, I want to be the attorney general for the state of Missouri because I want to protect the Constitution, enforce the laws as written, defend the state, protect the counties train up a new generation of public service-minded attorneys. And I do all of that for the people and for the next generation to leave this better than we found it. And so, that, you know, that, that's the legacy. I think they appreciate that. I know uh, we get to enjoy our weekends together. They don't see me as much during the, the, the week anymore because we're so busy. But that's all right. They know I'm doing good work and, and doing it for, for them and everybody else out there. Uh, Mr. Bailey, I, I want to ask, I, I hope that you get the vibe of our, our show. I, hopefully you were familiar before you uh, before you were appointed by our uh, before our uh, governor. But uh, I, I, I want to let you know, you know, we kind of we're a little low-key we cover the serious topics we ask the serious questions but we're also all human beings and we want to remind folks that listen to wake up that to mid-missouri you know what people that hold office they're also human beings too so uh, i want to ask you this question uh what would be your uh, marriage advice for producer hannah she's getting married coming up in october and we did this morning what's hot with hannah we do it every morning 725 she was doing marriage advice from like eight-year-old kids what would be your <laughs> marriage advice? Yeah, that's that's good. You know, well, first of all, a longtime listener, always appreciated your show and the the topic, the the broad spectrum of topics you all discuss. You know, it's it it starts with listening. Uh, I think that it's important in a relationship to listen and hear the other person. Uh, I spend I, I I spend time listening to my spouse, and I probably need to spend more time listening. And so that that would be my first piece of advice. But and listening does not just mean you're waiting for your turn to talk, right? That's the challenge. Yes. I have a lot I want to say, and sometimes I just got to squelch that and and just listen. But when you say listening, is it the uh -huh. It's not yes, the head no. nodding. No. No. Uh, Attorney General Andrew Bailey hanging out with us here on the show. General, this is a company town, as you well know, being from mid-Missouri yourself. Uh, maybe you want to talk about uh, the lack of staffing changes in the office over there. You're, you're sticking with a lot of uh, proven attorneys and staff, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I think I've consistently said that both General Hawley and General Schmidt leave behind a legacy of excellence that I intend to carry forward. There's always turnover in state government. Uh, that, that's a constant and so, you know, there's nothing different about that. We have vacancies 
uh, across all lines of, of staffing at the attorney general's office that we we will do our best to fill. But that's true throughout state government. But there are some really great people that work at the attorney general's office. I mean, that staff is I would put them up against anybody in the state or nation. You've got dedicated professionals, some of which have been there for a while and some of which have just joined us and are, are younger and getting their first shot at, at public service. But I want to train up the new generation of public service minded attorneys. You know, I, I came from the attorney general's office. I've done that work. I value the work that our staff does. And I want to reinvest in them and the work that they do, because at the end of the day, I'm one person. But we have 300 employees, around 200 attorneys, and those are the people making decisions every day in individual cases that impact the lives of the people of the state of Missouri. And so, you know, if you, if you love the Constitution, if you love the rule of law, and if you care about the people of the state of Missouri, we probably have a lot in common. And we've got a spot for you at the Attorney General's office. Now, the governor is set to give his state of the state this week, and having previously uh, been in his office, um, not that you speak for him or that you know what's coming, but now as the attorney general, are there things that you're hoping to see him, uh, you know, talk about on Wednesday? You know, the governor has accomplished so much. I mean, you, you look at uh, uh, the work that he's done on pro-life issues, uh, working with the General Assembly and, and responding to the Dobbs decision to essentially uh, end elective abortion in the state of Missouri. You look at what he's done on the Second Amendment, signing the Second Amendment Preservation Act and pushing back against the Department of Justice uh, attempts to uh, subvert that piece of legislation. You look at what he's done on tax cuts this last summer, uh, the way he supported agriculture. I mean, those issues alone are huge conservative wins. And I just I know he's going to keep pushing forward. He he has an endless uh, amount, has an endless amount of energy and, and dedication and passion for the people of state. And I just know whatever. I, I have not seen a draft or have any insight into what's in the state of state, but I know it'll be about the people of the state of Missouri and continuing to push us forward and build on the incredible momentum and, it, and the huge wins he's delivered for the people of the state over the past couple of years. Mr. Bailey, our attorney general, uh, we're appreciative uh, of your time. We appreciate you coming in and joining us here in the studio this morning. We, too, also, even though we don't hold elected, well, Stephanie actually holds an elected office in Ashland, but we don't hold elected office, but we still believe Part of our responsibility is to be of service to folks here in mid-Missouri. And part of that service, I think, is by asking folks like you, before we let you go, anything else that you want to add to to mention to the folks here in mid-Missouri this morning before we let you go? Well, number one, I just want to say thanks again for, for having me on and for this opportunity to serve. It's a privilege to serve the people of the state of Missouri. Stay, you know, stay tuned. We have more coming on the First Amendment suit. Uh, Missouri v. Biden, we anticipate taking additional depositions and receiving additional documentary discovery. And I think what you're going to see is we're going to continue to uncover coercion and collusion between federal, the federal government and big tech social media to silence speech and to violate the First Amendment. And we're going to keep up that fight because that's what the people deserve. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Bailey, our attorney. <laughs> That's my dad reacting to comments, uh, to some comments Joe Biden made yesterday. He was talking about, you know, folks that like to, to folks that believe in the Second Amendment right to bear arms. Uh, but Joe doesn't like certain weapons. And he said something to the effect that, well, you're going to need more than an AR-15 to come after the federal government, almost taunting and trolling folks. And I guess it kind of worked if we're talking about it now here on the show uh tomorrow it's the state of the state address governor mike parsons so a lot of folks if you're newer to talk radio you're trying to figure out why the heck are things so bad since uh since uh since joe biden's been president that's one of the things we do is we try to explain it here we don't uh we don't chastise you or criticize we say welcome aboard 
Uh, mm-hmm. Glad you were here. Uh, seriously. Um, so you're probably familiar. The president gives a State of the Union address. Well, in the state of Missouri, I know this might sound like third grade civics for some, but uh, state of the state is kind of the same thing. Governor Parson says, hey, here's some of the big things we are going to be doing this year. And I think back last year, broadband was a really huge thing. Internet access for rural areas. As a matter of fact, this past Friday, there was a deadline for people applying, I think, for broadband grants and things like that. So it's always important stuff, and it's kind of like a preview. It is, and more importantly, it's our first look at the governor's proposed budget. And so although the legislature really you know, approves the budget, the governor submits a proposed budget, and then they kind of haggle back and forth. So it'll be interesting to see where his priorities are based on his proposed budget. And tomorrow, 4 to 6, Randy Tobler hosts the Randy Tobler Show. Weekdays, 4 to 6 here on the radio station. He's going to be here kind of with uh, his analysis and breakdown. He'll have several guests. I'm sure Howlsworth and Marsh. Oh, yeah, Marsh, you're going to be on Randy Tobler's show tomorrow? Possibilities are endless. <laughs> we, we've been hearing some street talk, too. Though some people may be pleasantly surprised by the governor not only hiking state worker pay with that cola, but uh, increasing some uh, some peripheral benefits as well for state employees. So we're waiting to hear on that angle.